0: Welcome to Get Your Fix, a podcast bringing you insights and expertise in facilities management, brought to you by Vixo, changing the way the world sees facilities management. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Your Fix, a Vixo podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of this Vixo podcast. If you like what you hear and want to listen to previous or upcoming episodes, make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find this by just looking up Get Your Fix on either platform, hitting that subscribe button. Then you'll have a full catalog of previous episodes as well as notifications when we release new ones. You can also head to our website at vixo.com, V-I-X-X-O.com for updated information on our services, solutions, and of course, more content, including episodes of the podcast and articles, videos, blogs, and more. Today's episode of the podcast is a part one of a two-part deep dive into the art and the science of the convenience store. Though to the consumer, the expectation for a convenience store is at the very least just convenience, the broader shopping experience over the last few years for consumers has become one that has re-emphasized experience engagement, and uniqueness of the brick-and-mortar experience. So how can this be brought to the convenience store specifically? By looking at operational, aesthetic, and structural changes. Let's go ahead and jump into part one of our conversation. For insights on both parts of our convo, we're going to be chatting with Sumit Kar, Senior Director of Operations, and Eric Warner, Director of Construction, both for Vixo sumit eric great to have you both on how are y'all doing
1: doing great thank you daniel doing great daniel thanks
0: Looking forward to chatting with both of you on this topic. There's a lot to break down, so let's go ahead and get right into it. First, I want to just highlight a little bit of background on both of y'all for our audience. So, Sumit is an operations management professional who's bringing over 15 years of experience in multi unit restaurant operations and five years of niche consulting to this conversation. On top of that, some entrepreneurial experience in the contact center industry as well. And Eric is an expert facilities and operations director with deep expertise at tracking and reducing costs, increasing organizational efficiency. And on top of that, he's passionate about recruiting, hiring, training, motivating and coaching teams of employees and managers ready to become the next generation of leaders. So I'm looking forward to bringing Sumit and Eric's thoughts into this conversation. Let's start broadly. And this is for both of y'all. What are the most important variables that we need to be analyzing today that are creating the operational needs for convenience stores? So what what are those variables at play?
2: Certainly the, the variable uh, or, or the most important variables are are costs, right? We have seen a, a decline in sales uh, at, at all retail establishments and really convenience stores at the end of the day are retail, right? So... How do we control costs? How do we stay competitive in the environment? And how do we adapt to the changing needs of the customers? I think, I think those are the things that, that everyone in the convenience industry is trying to solution. Uh, staying competitive, maintaining revenue, and, and controlling costs in, a, in an ever-increasing competitive environment.
1: I think that's exactly right, Simon. I think the most important thing in the convenience store vertical right now is how do we control expenses, drive sales and control expenses. The expense line is the most difficult line for convenience stores. I would say that most of the managers are even on bonus plans that include controlling expenses as a part of their bonus. So it's really important that companies like us, like Vixo, really look into how we're spending their money, spending it right the first time and making those first time fixes. I think that's just it's just paramount to their success.
0: How would you say that those variables intersect with some of the broader changes that are happening uh, to brick and mortar stores because of a just wider shift in how consumers approach shopping at a brick and mortar store and the emphasis on retail experience?
2: Daniel, honestly, you know, we can't look at the traditional retail environment the way that we did 10 years ago right things have changed customer uh demands have changed and and customers want what they want and they want it uh in the way that they do right so it's not so much necessarily about the traditional retail experience. It's about getting those products to our customers, whether it's through through delivery platforms, whether it is through you know curbside delivery, things like that. Other ways that that customers can get what they want. You know, folks are are shopping online a lot more. They they are a lot more price sensitive, so we have to stay competitive there, but also deliver the products to our customers who are seeking that, right? Uh, people are not just simply walking into stores and, and buying products anymore. They, they're very sensitive. And so it, it's imperative for the convenience industry to adapt to those changes, right? Give the customers what they're seeking in a way that that that's convenient to them. At the end of the day, that's the business that they're in, 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 in the business of convenience.
1: Yeah, and I think some of those things that you see out there right now, Are increased food service in convenience stores, gourmet coffees and gourmet coffee stands, ice cream, yogurts, all those things that you start to see bringing into the convenience area so that when you're pulled in to get some gas and you want a gourmet coffee, you can go inside and get that. Or if you want a pizza or there's some other piece of food item that you want, they're going to have it there. the challenge is for us, how do we keep that equipment running? It's constantly having testing and having new equipment installed in the stores and us making those shifts to ensure that we're ready to go when we're called that there's an issue.
0: So uh, both of your careers have intersected pretty directly with popular convenience stores, uh, addressing some of these very concerns for them. Uh, So I want to highlight some of the learning experiences you both took from that work. And then we'll get into uh, the specific strategy around how convenience stores can actually begin to adapt in this environment. So, Sumit, we'll start with you. Uh, You've done work through Vixo with 7-Eleven, obviously an incredibly popular convenience chain. What were some of the major adaptations that 7-Eleven had to make to its facilities to meet customer needs and demands in recent years? And how does it track with uh, some of the variables you were mentioning earlier?
2: Daniel, they've had to adapt a lot. 7-Eleven has had to keep up with the ever-evolving change in market needs. It has really gone from a more traditional convenience store model selling beverages, alcohol, cigarettes, and some basic commodities to a more retail model, significantly increasing its breadth of product offering. The consumer today, like I mentioned, is much more demanding, right? And they want healthy, organic, more higher-end products. And 7-Eleven has reciprocated in kind and is a much different company today than it was even, let's say, 10 years ago. Right, they have focused on fresh foods, fresh, fresh beverages, organic offerings. Expanded their wine and, and beer selection, and their merchandising today mirrors the needs of the customers. Right, the new stores that are being built today—they're termed flagship stores—are really unlike any convenience store that exists in the marketplace. We have one, in fact, here in Dallas on Sylvan Avenue. It has a Laredo Taco restaurant in it serving fresh tacos and burritos made to order an expansive high-end wine selection you know they have beer on tap a a slew of fresh brewed coffee and other and other hot beverage offerings all of these changes are in response to what the market is market is really is demanding and 7-eleven has been kind of at the forefront of adapting with what the market is seeking
0: And Eric, you worked with Circle K in a similar fashion. Can you also give us some context on your work with them uh, and what you would say is potentially the most telling about the future of convenience stores based on your work and takeaways with Circle K?
1: I think the biggest shift that I've seen over the past five to 10 years is probably the size of the facilities that you have. Uh, They've increased from the standard 1,500 square foot boxes or the 2,500 square foot boxes up to five six. And seven thousand square foot. You see, the lot size has gone down from maybe half acre size to one and a half or two two acre sizes to having multiple. Fueling positions out front, 20 fueling positions, car washes, all these things, you know, elegant decor inside the stores. I think those are the biggest shifts that we've changed to try to increase the level of foot traffic inside the store, increase the capabilities of traffic to the site itself, and increase, obviously, the offerings that we have inside the stores as well.
0: So a major draw for convenience stores is obviously the fuel gasoline, right? So getting people to the gas station to pump gas is the first obstacle to get people into the convenience store. And I think this still remains the case today. So how does this tie into the operational and facilities strategies that Vixo tries to create for its clients? Is this always the starting point as you begin to address their needs and strategize around how to get more people into the convenience store? Uh, Yeah. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, Daniel, at the end of the day, most people go to a convenience store to get gas first, first and foremost, right? So it, it really is imperative that a consumer get what he or she came for originally, and that is gas. Now that means ensuring that all fueling positions are operational. When, when someone goes into a store or to a gas station and they see bagged off gas pumps, that sends a really bad message. In addition, to ensuring that all fueling positions are operational, it's essential that curb appeal is visually appealing. So power-washed canopies, right? Well-striped parking spaces, manicured landscaping, those things really set the stage for a positive shopping experience. You know, statistics show that 60% of all consumers who buy gas at a C-store actually enter the store and buy a beverage. Not just any product, but a beverage and beverages carry the highest margin. So it is critically important that customers actually enter the store and that almost always begins with them purchasing gas. So gas sales really are are a great predictor of overall revenue and profitability. It's really where it all begins.
1: I I agree, Sam. And I also think that on the physical plant side, you know you've seen these increased sizes on the on the number of dispensers in the canopy also increases in the distance between the dispensers out there so keeping them running is important also keep keeping them in fuel is important you now've got larger tanks underground blended dispensers for additional products at the pump so we've gone through all these different changes over the past few years to make sure that when you pull up and you pull on that handle it works and the, the product that you're looking for comes out the end. That's the the goal there.
0: Why does it help to uh, use fuel as a starting point for strategizing new facilities solutions, even if the challenges aren't necessarily fuel related in the first place? Getting them to walk in the store is is the hardest part there. That's, That's every
1: marketing department's challenge, you know, and I think you start seeing things on the outside of the stores like uh, signage, POP, that is advertising your new offerings on the inside, like food. Um, maybe it's a, maybe a you can advertise that you have a beer cave inside. Maybe you've just got floor to ceiling windows where from the pumps, you can see all of the same things that are inside of that store. I think that's important. Graphics that are lit with LED now, um, all these things to attract people to get them to that pump up and walk inside and go get that beverage or go get that bag of chips
2: yeah and, and to piggyback of what uh what eric said right customers are going to get gas really the question is where and if they need gas and they they have to go somewhere now generally speaking they are going to go to a store that they feel comfortable uh, one that is visually appe- appealing one that is cosmetically appealing it's clean on the outside right so so that outside Curb appeal is, is critical to draw the folks in. I mean, they're either going to go to, to convenience store A or convenience store B. And 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 curb appeal and and how the gas pumps are, how many options there are, how many fueling positions there are. All of that is, is critical to getting that customer to come to convenience store A versus convenience store B. Is the facility clean? Is it well lit? Have the drive aprons
1: been power washed? Is it painted? You know, all of these types of things, has it been tagged? Has the the tagging been painted over? You know, all of those things are what attract that customer to the lot and ultimately get them to get out of their car and come inside of the store.
0: All right, let's go ahead and start breaking down top to bottom what it looks like to bring fresh facility solutions to a convenience store, and how to uh, lay out a strategy that addresses many of these variables we've been talking about. First, we have to understand where to start. Uh, Like y'all said, fuel and getting people into the store is often the first hurdle. Uh, But on top of that, there are also some key KPIs that I know that you all measure when working with your clients as sort of a, a starting foundation. Could you break down what those key KPIs are and why you use those to measure success?
2: Great question, Daniel. For us, really, it is about keeping the equipment running and ensuring that the customer can sell product. Right. That is the bottom line. Understanding that equipment will break, that it will go down. But our focus really is how quick we, can we get that equipment back up? So equipment uptime is a huge metric that we track. The higher the uptime, the more opportunity to sell. And by extrapolation, the higher the possibility of generating revenue. Right. So from the time something goes down to the time we get a technician on site to remedy, We granularly track that, right? We can't fix something till we actually get a qualified technician to the site. And then from the time that he gets to the site, how long does he take to complete the full repair? So how long does it take for us to respond? How long does it take for us to complete the repair? Critical in maintaining the convenience store facilities. So response time, time to complete, equipment uptime, and completing it right the first time, the first-time repair. So those are four critical key performance indicators for us and for our customers. And those are the drivers that, that really drive uh, to equipment uptime and, and, and solutioning all of the issues that are tied to equipment breaking down, right? So those are the four primary KPIs that we track. I think from my perspective
1: of sitting in the facilities chair at Circle K, I would say it's, you know, like real estate looks at location, location, location facilities looks at uptime, uptime, uptime. You know, you got to have that stuff running or people just can't buy anything from it. So that's the most important part, I believe.
0: Another important variable is consumption habits and consumption patterns by consumers how is that influencing some of the strategy that Vixo brings to its clients and what data is there to help guide direction for your clients? And what is the analysis even saying about how consumers shop today?
2: Yeah. So, you know, consumption patterns and and really spending habits have drastically changed, right? Even in the past five years, the end user is just more discriminating today. It's gone from more of a fast food culture to a more selective and health conscious one and as buying patterns change the convenience industry has to adapt to that adapt their layout to accommodate the additional and changing equipment right so for example when stores increase hot food offerings it affects the heat load of the store it stresses the air conditioning system in the store so it, it is paramount that the changes are well thought out from a macro perspective so that the customer has a seamless shopping experience, our focus is to is to look at that, look at the changing habits, and and to help design and optimize the facility layout so that the customer really doesn't ha- doesn't feel the difference that things have changed. It's just that things are more efficiently laid out, and the temperature is cool. Everything seems to be running just just normally even though the breadth of offerings have significantly increased.
1: The other side to that from the operator side, guys, is that the technology and the understanding of the spending habits of the consumer inside a convenience store has changed drastically in the last few years using heat apps to find out where people are going inside the stores, having adjacencies of products where they are laid out inside the store. So if we know a customer comes in and goes left every time to the fountain, what does he buy after a fountain drink? Let's put those things over there. And then it's a a part of VIXO to make sure that when we're moving equipment and when we're moving those things that we lay those things out as requested so that we can stand those pieces up right in front of the customer when they walk in the door. We understand where their habits are So now let's put the pieces of equipment where they need to be.
0: Do these shopping patterns impact uh, the need for fresh equipment and not just facility layouts or reorganizing of the uh, interior design uh, or flow of where the products are within the store, but potentially the need for new equipment uh, to start Is that something that is uh, a consequence of some of these consumer habits and patterns? Uh, Why or why not? I think so. I think when you look at, at the analytics,
1: one of the things that we spend a lot of time on is looking at the analytics of a certain piece of equipment. How many times has it broken down in the last six, eight, or 12 months? How much money have we spent there? What's that threshold of repair versus replace? And and having a, a, a good grasp of that. So when it comes time to that piece of equipment, hitting that threshold that we're ready to go, we have the capabilities to help our customer to say, hey, you're at the end of the useful ice of of this piece let's move forward let's get some capital put aside here and let's go make a proactive solution to do this before it breaks down
2: entirely and you know with the changing demands obviously uh convenience stores just have more equipment right so now if you today if you go into a 7-eleven you have six to eight kinds of different coffee. Five years ago, you had you know regular coffee and decaf coffee. Now you, you have fresh squeezed orange juice. You have soft serve ice cream. And these are the things that, that customers are demanding, right? And they, they don't want no options. They want a breadth of options. So yes, to adapt to their needs, the, the number of offerings, the, there's been so much more equipment in these stores so as to satisfy the customers.
0: I'm throwing another variable y'all's way. Uh, Many convenience store chains today offer... Uh, loyalty programs at the pump as well. And this is an area that I think is ripe for innovation to drive sales. What are some ways that you've seen clients innovate with their loyalty programs and how do these intersect with some of the more material changes that are affecting convenience stores? Everything else we've talked about so far is um, shifting the physical dynamics within the store, adding new equipment, uh, trying to match consumer habits how how they shop and interface with the store when you've got something like a loyalty program it can feel a little less material right a little more uh ethereal maybe for a lack of a better word so how do you take something like that uh that very much is a a sales driver and something that's supposed to build loyalty among your customers and intersect that with some of the broader changes for improving convenience stores
2: yeah daniel so the Seven Rewards Loyalty Program, which 7-Eleven launched in 2015, has been a huge driver of sales for them. Currently, there are over 30 million people now on the app. And, and statistics have just clearly shown that people who have a rewards card or an app of some sort develop a loyalty to the brand and overwhelmingly use that brand over any other. Now, loyalty programs are great for the consumer who get discounts and, and, and free items after a certain purchase level and that that's great for the consumer but for our customers it's great as well right because it can identify the individual purchasing decisions of the customers and and it gives them the data that they can analyze to adjust things like merchandising inventory and and adjust those levels so that it matches the needs of what the customers are really buying in the store
1: yeah i think you go even to see things like with having screens at the pump where you type your loyalty card in at the pump. And now it's going to start giving you ads that are specific to your purchasing. Um, when you hit the register, it's going to pop out a coupon that are specific to your purchasing based on your, on your loyalty purchases. So I think that the, the way that, that convenience stores have shifted to take a look at these important items like loyalty and spending habits has been a phenomenal way of of getting insight into what individuals do when they hit your store and what's important to them. And then being able to supply those pieces to them. I think that's, the, that's obviously the end result.
0: How do you often find your uh, convenience store clients that you work with land at those strategic decisions for uh, their loyalty programs. What are the variables that they had to weigh to inform their solutions for how to adapt those loyalty programs?
1: I think uh, one of the big things is just the external environment. You know, recently we've seen COVID nineteen change the spending habits and the way everybody reacts inside a store. And I think one of the great transitions that companies did with their loyalty apps was make contactless payment through them, Uh, make it so you could pick things up at the store without having to go inside of the store and really, really shifting the culture of how we did things in the past to how do we continue to stay focused and how do we continue to uh, give the customer exactly what they need or what they want. Um, I think that was a big shift that we saw recently with loyalty.
2: Yeah. And, and, and honestly, you know, the loyalty programs are, are, are designed to be just that, right? Uh, gaining the loyalty of the brand and. Customers are discriminating. They they look at what what each company provides in their loyalty program, right? What what are the options? Do I get a get a free drink after you know X number of dollars worth of purchase? What do I get uh, from a, from a rebate perspective? You know what discounts do I get? Uh, what are the advantages of the app, right? So all of those things have to be taken into account when we, when when. The company bills out that loyalty program. And, and today the, the loyalty programs are very advanced. I mean, 7-Eleven's app is, is, tremendous, generating an enormous amount of traffic, uh, through, through the app. Uh, one of the things that we've seen is that on 7-Eleven, which is July the 11th every year, 7 that's their birthday. Uh, they give out a free Slurpee to everyone that walks into the store. Like they've been doing that forever. This year, of course, w- with the changes in the economy, they don't want to do that. So 7-Eleven Day has been shut down. However, for people that have the app, this, they're still able to get a free, uh, Slurpee on that day. So it's, it's promoting, uh, folks to try and get on the app, take advantage of some of the advantages that it offers and, and, and in turn gain the support and the loyalty of the brand.
1: And then you tie that back to how, how do we support those things? Again, it goes back to uptime. It goes back to first-time fix. When that loyalty customer comes in that store, they expect that Slurpee machine to be running. And if it's not, we have to get out there quickly. We have to fix it and then get out of there. And so they can continue to sell or or whatever it is the promotion is, is going. So I think that's that's how that loyalty kind of ties back to us ensuring that we're following the KPIs and that we're meeting the measures that the company has asked us to do
0: all right eric thanks for your thoughts there sumit thank you as well we're going to go ahead and stop the conversation here and return during part two of our conversation. Thank you again, Eric. Thank you, Sumit, for your thoughts so far. Folks, make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you can get part two of this conversation as we continue looking at the art and science of the convenience store and how the convenience store can continue to adapt and bring engagement and experience to the forefront again make sure you're subscribing to the podcast and heading to our website vixo.com for more updates on our content and services i'm your host daniel litwin the voice of b2b till next time and we'll catch you on part two